Welcome to the Lagan Valley Vineyard Podcast. We are a community passionate about seeing Lagan Valley filled with the presence and the teachings of Jesus. If you would like to connect with us or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website, laganvalleyvineyard.com. So good to see you guys. I am recovering. Joel Wiseman literally drank a blended happy meal in party people this morning. If you're any way uh, of a sensitive disposition, you do not want to watch that. Um, but I hope your kids enjoyed it. <laughs> um, if you're a guest, if we haven't met before, my name's Andy. I'm the senior pastor here. Uh, if you've joined back with us, uh, you maybe haven't uh, turned on house church uh, for a few weeks or even months. We are so, so glad that you're here. Can I just, before we get into anything else today, I want to really encourage you um, to connect into Huddle uh, you can find all the information out online to sign up. I know that the last year has been really challenging, but I heard a, a brilliant story last week of somebody that phoned somebody on her team, and they were just talking about how disconnected they feel from church and everything else. And uh, by the end of the conversation, actually, they decided to go and round up some friends and start their own huddle and join in, uh, journeying with Jesus in, in that way. Um, you know, the reality is, and maybe this is a little bit sad for me, but um, in the whole of church history, you've never had more access or better access to more content, Bible teaching, and worship. The, the truth is that you can get much better sermons than what you're hearing from me on the internet in all kinds of ways, in all kinds of places, every single day of the week. But the reality is, right now, in our lives with Jesus, we don't need more content. I don't know about you, but the thing I feel like we need, whether we're feeling it or not, the reality, what we need right now is connection. And the really hard thing about that in our current circumstances is it is impossible for me or any of our team to do the connection work for you. This moment requires you to actually pick up the phone, send an email, join something, sign up to something, show up at something whenever you're exhausted, and another screen for another hour is the last thing that you want. We've been chatting about this an awful lot at home, and the reality is many of us actually, uh, we've lost that sense of felt need for connection. We actually feel like we're okay, but that doesn't mean that we are. The reality is if we're following Jesus, it's impossible to do that properly outside of community. And so I really want to encourage you, if you haven't connected into a huddle, or you haven't connected into a prayer appointment, or some pastoral guidance, or whatever it is that you need in your life right now, we're here for you. We'd love to help as you pursue Jesus wherever it is that you're doing life right now. Last week, uh, Yvette brought such an inspiring report of what we were able to do with God and each other at Christmas time. And if you haven't uh, listened back to that, can I really encourage you to do so? There was a, um, I don't know what word I'm looking for right now. There was a written version. There you go. There was a written version of that report that was sent out in Monday's email last Monday. If you don't want to watch it back or listen back, you can read about that um, la last uh, Monday in the email. But I just want to say 
that I was so, so humbled and proud to be a part of a community that would in these moments and in these circumstances reach out the way that you all did. And I just want to say uh, a huge thank you to all of you who made that possible, who gave of time, finances, and resources. It really was uh, incredible. Yvette said it last week that we don't do these things because it's good to do good, although it is good to do good. We do this stuff to demonstrate the desires of God here on earth. You guys have heard me say this so many times, that the kingdom of God is the place where what God wants happens. And when we feed the hungry, when we provide toys for children that would otherwise not have them at Christmas time, God's desires for people not to go hungry, for children to feel seen and loved at Christmas. When we do these things, we are expressing the desires of God here on earth. This stuff is how we embody the present reality of the kingdom of God. Just last week, our home support team got a referral in a day that would, uh, referrals in a day that would normally amount to the kind of uh, stuff that they would get over an entire month. And there was a lady who was watching House Church last Sunday for the first time, and she contacted us via email, and she donated the entire contents of an elderly relative's home that had passed away. And all of what she donated was able to be given uh, to the things that had cropped up in and around the community uh, on that day last week. It is so, so, so inspiring for me to hear stories of how so many of you, despite everything else, continue to lean in to live open and generous lives, pointing people towards the goodness of God in the midst of chaos and crisis. We've been studying the book of Matthew together for over a year now, and of course, this is exactly what Matthew is trying to do. He's telling the story of how through Jesus, God inaugurates his kingdom here on earth. This is what Christianity is all about. It's not fire insurance for when you die. It's a way of life demonstrating the present reality of God's goodness, His love, His grace in the midst of chaos and crisis. Jesus comes to bring God's good order into the chaos of the world, and that's exactly what we are supposed to do in our approach to both God and the world around us, to bring His order into whatever that chaos is. We're going to pick up this week uh, at the end of Matthew chapter 20. I'm going to read from verse 29 through to 34. Can I encourage you at home? I know this will seem really weird, and it's so easy for you to just stay kind of slumped on your sofa or uh, your armchair or wherever you are, but can I encourage you to stand um, as we read the scriptures together today? Um, those of you that are in here too, maybe you would want to do that as well. Let's stand as we read the Word of God together. This is Matthew chapter 20, starting in verse 29. Come, Holy Spirit. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. 
The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and he called to them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and he touched their eyes and immediately they received their sight and they followed him. Father, we thank you for your word. Our confession in this moment is we need you to speak to us. We need your voice in our lives. We open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to you. Come and speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're at a really pivotal point in Matthew's story. Jesus has just previously, in the passage previous, predicted his death for the third time. His disciples, they've just had a bit of a falling out. I love um, some of what has just happened. We, we didn't get into it uh, last week, but they've just had a falling out because two of Jesus' disciples' mum, James and John's mum, has come to Jesus and she's basically asked Jesus for special treatment for her sons whenever Jesus becomes king. One of the things I love about the scriptures is it's full of ordinary people. It's full of ordinary people just like you and me. I'm sure all of us know a mum, of course not our mum, but we all know a mum, our friend's mum, um, who, who would do this, who would approach Jesus as he's headed towards Jerusalem to be crowned king and be like, hey Jesus, just making sure that whenever all this happens, you've noticed what my boys have done for you. And there's kind of this argument that has ensued as the disciples, I guess, have maybe chastised James and John or their mom, or maybe somebody's wondering, did James and John put her up to it, or all that kind of stuff. It's just so normal. It's just so human, and I love that. It's quite clear that there's a growing expectation that everything Jesus has been doing and saying is about to come to a head. He is now headed for Jerusalem, the seat of spiritual, political, and military power in the nation. This grassroots revolution has gained enough momentum in the kind of fringes of the nation that it is now headed for the center with force and with momentum. They knew that the king may have been born in Bethlehem, but he would be crowned in Jerusalem. And Jesus is now headed straight there. It's approaching the festival of Passover. The population of Jerusalem at this time was around half a million. And scholars reckon that around Passover, this grew by five times to around two and a half million people in and around Jerusalem during the festival of Passover. Every road leading to the city would have been full of people making their way there. It's hard for us to really get our heads around what this would have 
felt like the closest thing I can imagine to it is the streets around Anfield or Old Trafford as kickoff is approaching and everyone is making their way towards the stadium. It's that kind of atmosphere. There are sellers and markets, there are caravans of traders, there are families, there's music, there's all of this stuff is going on as everyone heads towards the city. The text says that Jesus and a large crowd following him are on the road between Jericho and Jerusalem. This is the same road that Jesus used in the parable of the Good Samaritan. This road was a major thoroughfare between the two cities, full of trading caravans, military personnel, and pilgrims. It was customary in this time for rabbis to teach while they walked on the road. Likely, Jesus was instructing those following him in the ways of the kingdom, settling disputes with his disciples uh, and commenting on questions, and everyone around him jostling for position, passing back through the crowd what he'd just said, pearls of wisdom, revelation, and insight. He's talked about dying, but it's quite obvious none of them really understand what that means, and they fully expect Jesus is going to bring the kingdom of God to earth. He's going to overthrow Rome and the systems of injustice and greed that have corrupted their religious system. They, they really believe that they are on the cusp of the revolution they have longed for for generations. There's excitement, there's controversy, there's anticipation, and all of this is humming around the person of Jesus. Verse 30, two blind men were sitting by the side of the road, begging, obviously. And when they hear that Jesus is passing by, they shout, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Lord, Son of David have mercy on us. These aren't just biblical terms. They're not cute kind of theological things. This is a politically dynamite declaration. Lord, son of David. Lord, savior, rightful ruler and king. Have mercy on us. Just imagine you're following along. The sun is hot. The road is dusty. You're probably more than a little bit tired, irritable. There are children pestering you every second step. Are we there yet? How much further? What did Jesus just say? I don't understand that. Are we there yet? How long is it going to take? What did Jesus just say? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Many of you have been there. So many things competing for your attention whilst you're doing everything you can to listen to what Jesus is saying. And then these two agents on the side of the road start to shout at the top of their voices. Another added unnecessary distraction from people that, let's be honest, really don't matter. They were nobodies. They had nothing to offer anyone. The definition of spongers in this society, they contribute absolutely nothing. They live off what people are able to give them. There's no way 
they're going to get between you and Jesus in this moment. So they get rebuked. Be quiet. Shut up. Stop distracting us. Can't you see Jesus is saying something really, really important? We're in the midst of a really exciting sermon right now. Would you be quiet? Have you ever been in a church service or a large gathering where someone is talking and someone in the crowd starts to shout at them? It's happened here before. (laughs) It's so awkward. Like, it is ridiculously awkward. The entire room goes, and then if I'm not the one speaking, I feel everyone's eyes on me. Are you going to do something about that? This is so awkward. These men start shouting at Jesus, and everyone turns and says, be quiet. Shut up. Don't you know who that is and what he's doing right now? I remember when I lived in Los Angeles, walking into Starbucks um, downtown LA and queuing up to order a coffee. A homeless lady who was obviously severely mentally unwell comes in to the coffee shop and she started to shout at the whole kind of room and she walked towards the guy who was at the till and started shouting at him. (laughs) She walked right up to the front and she's yelling. I was 21 at the time and I'd never quite seen anything like this before. But what amazed me was how the guy who was taking orders from the queue, he didn't even flinch. He he didn't even acknowledge the lady. He he didn't respond. He just, what's your name? Yeah, and what do you want? And she's here yelling at him. And most of the room just kind of continued as if she wasn't there. And I kind of couldn't help but wonder any, it was not really surprising for me that the poor woman was in the state that she was in when she's being treated like she's completely and utterly invisible. The atmosphere, though, was beyond tense, and out of nowhere, an older lady walked over and put her hand on the homeless lady's arm. She quieted her down and led her outside. The story in this text, it's not that, but it is something similar. There's this disruption that's making everything tense and awkward, and nobody knows quite what to do. But tell the men to be quiet. Jesus is surrounded by his followers, headed for Jerusalem, teaching them all kinds of important things when these two nobodies rudely interrupt, making loud demands of Jesus. We have a monthly staff meeting where we get together on uh, Zoom, and um, one of the team usually brings a devotional, and Chris um, did it this Tuesday, and he asked us as a team a a really profound question, I think, uh, that we all would do well to reflect on at the minute, and the question was this, how do we handle interruptions in our lives? I was very convicted. Working uh, from home while children are being homeschooled, there's no shortage of interruptions. And when we were designing the house, we didn't quite think that 
you know, life at work would be spent on Zoom calls. And so directly opposite my camera is the door into my study at home. So if anybody comes in and I'm on a call, it's kind of like that viral video, you know, where that poor guy was on the, the news and his children kind of bust in and then his wife has to come and drag them, drag them out. I was so convicted when we were reflecting on Tuesday uh, about this question, how do we handle interruptions? Our lives right now seem to be punctuated with interruptions, news announcements, changes in what we're able to do, children at home trying to manage everything that's going on at the minute, and nothing seems to happen the way that we expect or would prefer. Jesus models something beautiful to us here. Verse 32, he stops and calls to them, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus is on a mission from God. This isn't Blues Brothers. This is actually mission from God. Quite literally, he's about to enter Jerusalem as the coming king sent to save the world. If there was ever an excuse not to stop, he's got one, right? <laughs> like he's on his way to Jerusalem to confront the powers and principalities that have held created order in bondage for centuries. That's what's on his agenda. How many times do we not stop? How many times are we too busy? How, how many times do we, myself included, get caught up in our own sense of self-importance and the missions that we're all on in our own daily lives. Maybe what's more challenging for us, how many times do we, not, do we choose not to call out for help because we think others are too busy? How, how many times do, do we shrink back or lean back or refuse to open our mouths because we make that choice for others. They're far too busy. They don't want to hear from me right now. They got far too much going on. I love how holistic this text is. These blind beggars call for help and Jesus stops for them. They call out and Jesus stops. This is a time perhaps more than ever for us to find our voices. We need to find our voices. Listen, I, this text would be so much more comforting for all of us if it said that there were two blind men on the road and as Jesus was traveling towards the city, he saw them, walked over and said, hey guys, is there anything I can do for you? Wouldn't that be so much easier for all of us? How many of us posture ourselves like that? That's our expectation. It's not what happens in this text. Jesus is passing and they cry out. And then Jesus stops. There's no complaint from these men that Jesus didn't come sooner. There is no possibility of Jesus walking on and them getting angry that he didn't even stop. They cry out and Jesus comes to them. This is a really weird time for all of us to be alive. It's like nothing any of us have ever come close to living through before. And now more than ever, 
If you are not okay, it's time for you to find your voice. It's okay to cry out. I need help. To cry out to God and to cry out to other people. On any given Sunday, pre-COVID, I would literally have hundreds of small, tiny little conversations in this room. Walking around the room, how's it going? Yeah, what's happening? Oh my gosh, that's what's happening with your kids or a relative or what's going on in work or you've got something going on. There was this just constant kind of feedback loop of what was going on in almost all of your lives. And we do it in 30-second kind of check-ins. And it informed so much of how we functioned as church. Of course, it's nearly a year from any of that has happened regularly right now. And the reality is, the information that I get to go on is based completely on what you choose to tell me or others. And you probably should know I'm not on Facebook or Twitter. This is really, really difficult. It's really, really challenging. It's really, really hard. But the reality is for all of us, it is a time for us to find our voices before God and before other people. These men are in need and they speak up, even in the face of adversity. The moment they open their mouths, they're told to shut up. The moment they speak, they're told to be quiet, stop, you're a distraction, you're annoying, you're too much, you're not important, it doesn't really matter. It's not that big a deal. Jesus is about to go and save the world. Do you really think he has time for you? I wonder how many of you resonate with those thought patterns. The moment you think I'm going to make that phone call, I'm going to send that email. I'm going to drop that text or I'm going to say to that person instantly, for goodness sake, what's going on in your life is not that big a deal. These voices come from us, from ourselves, and from others. Other people have way more going on in their life than what you have. They don't have time for your problems. Jesus has got bigger things going on than what's happening in your life. I love how these two blind beggars in the face of that adversity just shout all the louder. It's beautiful defiance and it's incredibly healthy. They're told to shut up and they're like, no, Jesus is here. We're not being quiet. Some of us have been suffering in silence for months. It's time for you to open your mouth. It's time for you to open your mouth. Jesus calls to them and says, what do you want? What do you want? This is such a profound question. What do you want? It's a wonderful question to sit with Jesus. If you're in that place right now where you're like, I'm just not okay. I feel like I need help. I feel like I need something. It's a brilliant question to sit with. How would you respond to the question, what is it that you want? 
What is it that you need? I remind myself often that the world is angry right now. And sometimes in slightly more difficult conversations or emails when I ask that question, what is it actually that you want? Sometimes people are not quite sure, which then makes it kind of difficult to try to help. One of the things that's really important for us if we're not okay is to reflect on what is it that we want? What is it that we need? What is it that we're crying out to Jesus to do for us? That's not just end COVID, which of course we're crying out for. And of course that would be great. But until that day, what is it that we're desperate for God to do for us? Do we know? How do we answer that question? If you're going to call on God, it's a good idea to have an answer for what you're going to say when he says, I'm here now. What is it that you want me to do for you? These men know the answer. Lord, we want our sight. Verse 34, such a beautiful ending to the passage. It says that Jesus had compassion on them and he touched them. Isn't that what we need? I don't know about you, but an experience of compassion of Jesus. Not just a belief in it. We're all kind of hanging on to that, aren't we? Keeping doubt and fear at bay. God is still good. <laughs> He's still in charge. But how long has it been since we experienced deeply and intimately the compassion of Jesus? Jesus had compassion on them, and he touches them. But here's the thing. For these guys, there is no experience of compassion without the cry of their desperate hearts. Their experience the compassion of God is preceded by their desperate cry to him. This is a time for us to find our voices and to cry out to God for what we and our community and the world needs right now. We need to find our voices How badly, how badly do you need the compassion of Jesus? And how willing are you to cry out to him for that compassion? To step past the voices of others and even yourself that whatever you've got going on doesn't really matter. It's a time for us to find ourselves quiet corners of our lives, desperately crying out to Jesus and being bold enough to bring your community into that cry. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up as we respond to this today. As they come, wherever you are, why don't you just close your eyes, maybe lift your hands up as we posture ourselves to receive even right now, maybe this is one of those moments. We'll see it in the analytics later, but maybe you just need to turn this off now and just find yourself on your own crying out to God. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, our community needs you. Jesus, this nation, the world needs you. 
And we join with these two heroes from long ago, crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. Have mercy on this community. Have mercy on this nation. Jesus, have mercy on the world. We need you, God. We need you, God. For every weary and broken soul, Jesus, we cry out, have mercy. For every exhausted homeschool parent, Jesus, we cry out, have mercy. For every business owner crippled with stress and anxiety, Jesus, have mercy. For every family grieving the loss of loved ones, we cry out, Jesus, have mercy. For every young person fearful about the future, we cry out, Jesus, have mercy. For every healthcare worker exhausted, worn out, we pray, Jesus, have mercy. For every follower of you hanging on by a fingernail of faith, we cry out, Jesus, have mercy. Have mercy, God, we pray. Have mercy, we pray. We welcome your compassion. Come and come. Lord, come and touch each of us now. Wherever we are, out running in our car. For those watching or listening who've never opened their lives before fully to Jesus, this is a wonderful moment. It's a simple prayer. Jesus, I surrender my life to you. Come and rule in me. I turn around, turn from my past, confess my sin, and I throw myself on you. Come, Lord Jesus.